Well, yes, indeed, that lovely music you hear to bring us back into the broadcast. You listen to a live presentation of the Bible Information Brokers. My name is Daryl Zidi Fulton, along with my teammates, Professor Craig Hawkins, I affectionately call PCH, and Brian Allen in the studio. And we, what we're going to do now is get back to the question that we were dealing with on this side of the break before we take care of all of our other business, as we do normally at the top of the hour break. So, PCH, I'm going to bring Eric back on dealing with the question about spiritual warfare, and let's get back into it. I think you left off with Job. Excuse me, yes, sorry. Um, uh, exactly. So that, that's, a, that's a key path, Job 1 and 2, but, uh, but there's a couple of others. Now, we've, I've mentioned First Peter 5, uh-huh. and again, we're told to be sober, be vigilant. So be sober, right, and then, and then vigilant. You could be sober but not vigilant. You could be not drunk or under the influence of some uh, mind-altering substance, alcohol or otherwise. In other words, be stoned or high or whatever you want. How you want to say that? But but many Christians are not vigilant. They're not. They're not. They they act as if they're they just do 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 do. do. They mm. just walk around and they have no idea of the concept of spiritual warfare and wh- what wars against them, and how many. Indeed, Paul warns us in Timothy about those who have been taken captive by the devil to do his will, and part of that is false theology and then engrossed, involved in immorality, and then trying. To rationalize it, so definitely Job one and two. I mean, the whole book of Job, but especially one and two, are just really, really insightful for us. We need to take pay close attention to to the, those two chapters. Sir Peter five, but of course Ephesians six. Well, let me let me give you at least one more here. Um, and, and Paul does use a lot of passages with military metaphors uh, about being armed to the teeth, with the right hand and the left hand with spiritual weapons. But but let's 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 look at Peter. Let's learn from Peter's life. And here's a classic case. Not the only way, but it's certainly one way the devil comes at us. So so Jesus tells us in Luke twenty two. A, you know, he's talking right before he's betrayed, and he says, it says this to Peter. I mean, can you imagine if God said this to you? Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, mm. but I have mm. prayed for you, Simon, that your faith oh, wow. may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So could you, I mean, how would you feel if God said to you, hey, you know, put your name, the devil's desire to sift you as wheat? And what does Peter say but he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Then Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times uh, that you don't know me. And and my point is, apparently, whatever else is going on, his lack of awareness, but it's clearly his pride. And I'm always concerned, and I've seen this in young Christians, and I've even heard of some songs lately, oh, I would never do that, or I'm never going back. And I'm like, oh, it scares me when I hear that, because of the self-confidence and the pride. Why? Because pride goes destruction, and highness before he fall. Let him think he stand takes teeth place to fall. I remember one young Christian one time to me saying, oh, I'll never go back to, I'm, oh, yeah, no, I know better, and I'll, I'll never you know, get into that stuff again, his immoral lifestyle and all that. And then I found out a year later, I looked at a job, I found out later he's back in the world. Um, so, but, but look at this. So Peter, the self-confidence, he's trusting in himself, and he doesn't see what's coming. 
But how does he get tempted? I mean, people probably think, you know, spiritual warfare, they think of something like The Exorcist, where you got, you know, what's her name, uh, you know, and her head spinning around and all that stuff. But but Peter, he's following, it says, interestingly, following the Lord from afar, and then he gets cold, so he t- attempts to warm himself up during this trial at night, which is illegal. And what happens? The devil uses people, and they, hey, wait a minute. You look familiar, if you will. Aren't you? You're one of them. You're you're with him. And then even it's even said, look, your accent gives you away. You know, you're from Galilee. We can tell. Um, and so he, the devil used these people to ask him questions, and then Peter succumbs to temptation. And so because he didn't see it coming, he didn't take it serious. And that's how the devil works with us, and that's my point here. Again, I encourage people to watch these nature shows and watch how lions stalk their prey, how surreptitiously they hide in the tall grass because they're not fast enough to catch some of these other animals like gazelles or whatever. They've got to get really close to them to, to, to pounce on them. And, and they set a trap, and many times they work together and set a trap. Right. And that's what the devil does. Now, here are the old joke lines, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. Uh, we do have a, a, an enemy who is a cosmic psychopath who is incredibly intelligent, who knows practically everything that can be known about us, and we must flee, and we must cling to Christ, right? Smear yourself on the God, resist the devil. Not resist the devil, but submit to God first, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. We need to recognize we're in a spiritual warfare, but most Christians walk around day in, day out, I say in the flesh, not in their physical body, but they, they walk around as if there is no spiritual realm, there is no spiritual warfare, la di la di da da and the devil just bushwhacks them because they weren't even looking for it, and they fall into sin, they fall into sin, not just gross immorality, but with false theology, false ideologies, and ideas they try to put in the Bible when the Bible says nothing of the sort, and we're just often, to mix my metaphor, sitting ducks, because we're not paying attention, because in Ephesians it tells us, right, uh, to put on the form of God. Why? Because the evil day is going to come. So when the day of evil comes, not if, but when, and when it does come, to stand. But we think it's not really going to come. It's not really going to happen to me. And we don't see often it's already working in our lives. You know, it's interesting, too. You know, Craig, you talk about... um watching some of these animal you know shows dealing with the animals and how they you know how they survive how they attack and things like that and if you look at the lion what's interesting sometimes you see just one lion when it's trying to attack maybe a weaker or another weaker animal that's not strong and then you see uh maybe uh a dental lion maybe like four or five attacking a bigger animal or a stronger animal. Yeah. And it makes me think of... Uh, Coordination. When, well, insofar as when you look at the devil, when he attacks, if you're not a strong Christian and you're not really uh, into your faith, so to speak, then you know what? The devil really doesn't need to... Uh, you're self-checked, in other words. Exactly. Oh, but if you're a strong Christian yeah. and you're doing the doing the word, doing doing the work of the Lord and things like that, uh, I believe it's going to be a higher attack and stronger attack because of your faith and your belief. Indeed. Well, sure. Yeah, that's a great point, Brian. 
and 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 again, so so think of here's just more examples. Even pastors, they're working closely with someone uh, that they're attracted to. You mean they don't? They have no desire to get involved. They're not thinking of committing adultery, but they spend a lot of time with this person, work on projects together, maybe ministry projects, do some stuff fulfilling. Then they start to confide. Maybe one of them's having marital problems. They start they start talking and sharing stuff that they really shouldn't be sharing with someone of the opposite sex. Anymore, I can hardly even say it that way, but I'll say it for now. Um, but 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 you know, what I'm saying that they're sharing stuff, and then they start confiding, and oh, well, you understand me, you know, my my wife, my husband doesn't understand me like he, you do. Mm. Dot 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 dot. The next thing you know, they're involved in emotional adultery, and many times they fall right into physical adultery. And many of them, I believe, never planned. They didn't say, "I'm looking for somebody." There are people like that and the Bible warns us, who are out there with the eyes full of adultery, looking to, to get in trouble, to get someone else in trouble, to, to have relations, sexual relations with someone they should not. Um, but, but many times I believe they weren't, the, the Christians weren't trying. They were just naive. They were foolish. They didn't put any barriers in place. They don't put any, any things, any accountability. And then they can't figure out how they fell into adultery, for example, among, one among many sins, because they don't have accountability. They're not being transparent. They don't keep things open and upright. Look, you, you shouldn't be st- st- talking about some things with, with somebody other than your spouse. And if you've got to share marital issues or whatever, I understand that, then do it with someone of the same sex. Then do it with somebody who's a mature believer and not just going to feed your insanity, let alone uh, you start people. I see this all the time. We, how many leaders have we seen fall the last yeah. five, ten years? I, and I, look, I've been in ministry 30-odd-plus years. I can't tell you the number of people I've seen who are no longer in ministry because they did not stay vigilant. They did not stay uh, aware, awake. And 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 they they let their guard down, and I don't again believe that most of them even tried to fall into sin, not just adultery, but other uh, sins that could knock one out of ministry. But they let their guard down, and then the devil sprung the trap, and they and they fell. Wow! Well, wow! That's wonderful. You, you, you know the the. Um, one of the things you're, ta- you know, that you were talking about, Craig, is a lot of times Christians don't have the self defenses, knowing like something. Here's an example. I'm going to use. I, I saw the uh, Top Gun Maverick movie, and to me, I, it was awesome. But when they were being under attack, okay, like when a missile was coming at them, uh, like a Sam missile. Don't you want to make a disclaimer, just a folk? Folks might want don't want to see that scene, but go ahead. No, they have they the the uh, the jets F 18s uh, They have that the the anti uh, whatever you call it to uh, knock out the block missile, mm-hmm. block the missiles that are anti defense mechanism. There you mm-hmm. go. Thank you, Daryl. I didn't even see the movie. Though. Exactly, <laughs> and so you know. Christians need to know that stuff. Like, if you're coming, like in a in a football game, in a basketball, whatever the case might be, in things in life, in business. Oh my God! Okay, when you're being attacked, you should automatically know your anti. What do you call it? Dis, uh, dis, defense uh, mechanisms <laughs> to deal with these attacks that are coming on you. Hey, Eric, you want to make a quick comment before we uh, continue? Yeah, I, I didn't want to elaborate. You've covered it greatly. As I said, uh, thank you for edifying us in this area. Uh, just wanted uh, um, past, um, Professor Hawkins picked it up there again, the great word that spoke to me in this. 
was the vigilance. Yeah. If I can use another V word, there is victory yes, in yes. vigilance. We'll say that again, yes. Eric. Let me... The last part, yeah, another V word. I'm sorry, Craig. I didn't hear that other V word. I apologize. It said there is victory. Victory. There we go. The vigilance and victory. Vigilance and victory. Yeah, and the vigilance. Yes. And let me give one more example here, and it's not the only one, but and I'm not, of course, I'm not saying you can't have a a, a friend who who is the opposite sex, but how many times does someone fall into adultery with the best friend or a, a couple who's the best friend of another couple, because they spend so much time together, know so much about each other, then many times, not always, but often they fall into sexual sin because they've let barriers down because of their closeness and spending all that Indeed. time, then bad things happen. So and now I'm, am I saying you can't have any friend, can't talk to anybody other than your spouse? That's not what I'm saying, but you need to be smart. And Eric, you're absolutely right. You need to be vigilant. You need to be aware and don't assume, oh, that could never happen. They would never do that. Again, uh, the statistics must be staggering of the number of people who commit adultery with the best friend or of their spouse or, or uh, a couple of best friends. It is just mind-boggling how many times that happens. Word of the wise, why, does, why is the adultery rate and divorce rate in the Church about the same as it is in non-Christians? Why do Christians seem to fall into stuff, embezzlement, and all other things as much as non-Christians? Because they don't become, they don't stay vigilant. Indeed. Eric, thank you for that double V. My middle Good name question is Part too. B. God bless you, man. God bless. 888 is the number. 888 Look, we have a couple of questions going to be coming in from Reverend Phil. We're going to get to your question. Christina, we're on Messenger. We're going to get to your questions. Also, Tamara, hang in there on the telephone. We're going to get to your question as well. But PCH, I want to tee this thing up this way, coming out of Eric's question. My granddaughter, uh, you know, dealing with the vicissitudes of her life and made some choices that she has to deal with now. She wrote a song. She's into these songs, and she usually expressed herself much better through songs and wrote a song called Can God Love a Bad Christian? And, um, you know, it was an interesting thought. I mean, the concept is, you know, people coming out of um, are dealing with or struggling with drugs, sex, and rock and roll, as it were, part of her, part of her song. And I just want to know from the standpoint of salvation, can God love a bad Christian, a Christian that is bad, continually to be bad, and then can God love them enough to save them? If they're a Christian, they're supposed to be saved. That's my whole point. I, I would have you define bad. Well, kind of like in a sex, drug, and rock and roll thing. And you know, if you, you, you know, it's, it's almost like a person goes in and out, keep coming in and out. Not the discipline we was talking about, the village, the villages we was talking about to get the victory. They just don't do it. Going through things in life and just always, you know, good. Maybe uh, hanging in there for a year or so, get back, fall right back into something again. And her question is, can God love a bad Christian? Well, there's a lot of issues related to this that we need to talk about in the time that we have. Sure, because he never accepted the, the Christian because they were good in the first Thank you. place. God never said, well, you're good, or you're good enough, so I'm letting you into the club. The old That's not thing. how this works. Yes. It was always we were sinners, and he forgive, forgives us by his grace and mercy. And Christians struggle with sin, and we yes. will in one way, shape, or form struggle with sin our whole lives. Now, it doesn't mean we have to be defeated uh, constantly, but 
But but the reality is most Christians go back and forth. They ebb and flow. They fall into the, everybody has their pet sin or sins, and that they struggle with till the day they die. Some are not as difficult. It just doesn't appeal to them as much. Other sins are really difficult for a, a given Christian, and. So, yeah, because God forgives us, and that's the beauty of 1 John, chapter 1, where he says, uh, for example, among other things, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to keep on cleansing us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't say now if you, if you don't mess up, if you never fall into sin again. It says if you confess, homilegeo, to agree, to say the same thing. That's what confession means. When we confess something, we are agreeing we often think of it as a creed, but a creed is a form of, 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 of group agreement. We're agreeing. This is what we're saying. This is what we believe. This is what's true. So, so that's, that's the key there. It's to acknowledge that. But I would say the, the bigger question to me is, can God save the Christian who's good, in quotes? Hello. And I mean good very loosely, because of spiritual pride, because they think, I, I'm a Christian. Boy, I haven't fallen into sin. I don't know how long. I haven't custom. How long? I, I don't do that. And that's a sin right there. <laughs> there you go. We're talking about oh, that boastful pride of life. <laughs> but, but yes, but they don't see it. And and God can forgive that sin, but it's always, always confession. It's to be on guard. It's to realize I'm imperfect, as one of my friends likes to say. Well, we're all broken people. And, and acknowledge that. And sanctification, I believe we can grow and mature, but, but it's, not, it's not always... Uh, you know, ten steps forward. Sometimes it's ten, twenty steps backwards. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, but we're human. Uh, I'm not making an excuse for sin. I'm just telling you the reality of sin. None of us have a straight trajectory. Continue growth, 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 <laughs> back and forth. Overall, the trajectory should be growth. Look, I can tell you, I'm messed up, and anybody knows me knows that. But I ain't what I was when I was twenty in my twenties, or thirties, or forties, and we can stop there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can't, I can't. Into the ground. <laughs> they don't need to run into the ground. <laughs> but, um, but, but seriously, but, but it doesn't mean I don't struggle with sin. Yeah. I have my, my issues, especially every time I drive the freeway with a bunch of knuckleheads. Um, but, but the point is, God can and does forgive me there. And my other big concern is a non-Christian, and yes. part of spiritual deception, I'm not really so worried about those who, wow, wonder if God can forgive them for what they've done because I know the Spirit of God will speak the truth to them that He can and He does through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. My bigger concern is all the people who think they're okay. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm, or all paths lead to God. Or they're sincere people. People pray to God. Who Who do you think you are? You think you're better than others? That's the concern. For me, the person who thinks, I'm okay, you may need Jesus, but I don't because I'm morally superior. I don't do that stuff. Oh, yes, you do. And your biggest sin is indeed pride. And and again, Paul talks about the delusion of those who've been taken captive by the devil. And most people say, oh, that's just horrible. That's always somebody involved in some prostitution and incredible drug use and all that stuff. No, it's many. It's religious people. It's people who are spiritual. So I could use the word religious, and most people say, "Oh, well, yeah, yeah," because I, I don't like religion either. But I'm spiritual. Oh, I'm talking to you. Yeah, spiritual too. You think you're spiritual. You think you're all that. You don't think you need God, you, you, or you are God. You're in for a rude awakening, my friend. You're not God. You're not going to be God. You are alienated from God. You are separated from God. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to humble yourself and repent. Look, 
There's some things you cannot do, and one of them is save yourself. It's just like basically you can't perform heart surgery on yourself. Same thing, you can't perform spiritual heart surgery on yourself. Only God, only the divine physician, the Lord Jesus Christ, and not a Jesus, not any Jesus, but the Jesus of the Bible, only he can give you a new heart. Only he can do the surgery that you need, has indeed paid it in full, in advance for you to trust in him, and he will give you eternal life, which is going from death to life. You may say, well, I'm not dead. No, not physically yet. Obviously, you're listening to us, but you're spiritually dead. You're obtuse. You are hardened. Your heart is hardened. You are closed to the things of God. What I know right now is the Spirit of God is convicting you. You are messed up. You are a sinner. Old English word, contemporary concept. You have faults like the rest of us. You are in need of God's forgiveness. Trust in Christ. Believe on Him as your Lord and Savior. Otherwise, you're going to meet God when you die physically. You're going to meet Him not as your Lord and Savior. You're going to meet Him as the judge of the universe, and you're on the docket. Oh, yeah, it's you, just like it would be us as well. We're not any better, but we've passed from death to life only because of the grace and the mercy of kindness. We're one sinner trying to show another sinner where they can get a drink of water. But if you do not repent here and now, when you die, you will meet the triune God of the universe at your tribunal, you are on the docket, and your eternal destiny is before God, and it's already been decided if you don't know Christ here and now. Trust in Christ. Believe in Him. Otherwise, no, you will be separated from God for all eternity. And you can tell yourself for all eternity how good you are, but the reality of where you will be, and that's not in the presence of God, will speak the truth to the fact that you're spiritually bankrupt. You need the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, just like we do. And for those who acknowledge their need for Him and trust in Him and Him alone, He gives eternal life. Indeed. Amen. You know, folks, um, <clears throat> something just, you know, has been, uh, just, came, just came to my head. And uh, but I know it's something that's been on the hearts of a lot of people this uh, this past week, and I would ask that our listening audience uh, uh, pray or continue to pray for the families of the uh, incident that occurred in Texas uh, with the uh, how many how many young kids died? Nineteen was it? And yeah. two two adults or something somewhere around there. So. Um, it just, you know, the, the thought just came to my head, and I just wanted to reach out to our listening audience to pray for those, or pray for the families. And I, and I believe that our listeners have been praying for these families, and if you have, continue to do so, and if not, um, uh, pray for them. You know, I, I, would, I would add also to that uh, the Buffalo um, uh, mass shooting also at the store, and also the... Um, what was the other one? It's skipping my mind now, and I apologize. Um, I know you're talking about the one in Texas. There was uh, also the uh, the North. Uh, we talked about this maybe a week or so again ago about the 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 Thai the Thai Church uh, and uh, Presbyterian Church in Orange County as well. Right. And right. I would just say this also, folks. In your prayers, I would ask that you pray for the perpetrator's family and the perpetrator himself. 
PCH, uh, you know, I know you can relate to this on such a, a heavy level that Brian and I can't relate to it, Brian. You know what I'm talking right. about, PCH, where your son was murdered uh, and another son was, um, you know, messed up pretty bad and you know, had to deal with all that along with the other um, uh, four boys that were involved with that. But, uh, Craig, I've heard you say it. I totally agree. I'm glad you say it about being the, the parent of one a child that was murdered on how important it is for us believers to also pray for the the perpetrators. Craig, can you talk on that just briefly before we get back to the uh, other situations we have here? Sure, and, and, and we want justice, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's right. not unbiblical. It is biblical. There should be justice. There are consequences. But but only God can give us the ability to forgive someone Indeed. who does something so horrific. And I'm, I'm not saying they shouldn't go to prison. I'm not saying they shouldn't face the consequences. But But Ultimately, when if you can't forgive someone, you only harm yourself, and that's a poison that will tear you apart, and and your family and your loved ones. And I look at it, uh, speaking of someone who's had a, ch- a child murdered, is uh, which I never imagined would happen to mm. me. But uh, anyways, I'm in that club, as they say. Uh, the, the the point is though. Uh, You've already taken my son in one sense. Why would I let you take the rest of my life and destroy the, the life of my wife and my other kids? Um, you know, that, that I pray for their repentance. They need to know the Lord. And if not, God will deal with them. I mean, people ask me, because of my background, because of the fighting I used to do in the martial arts and all the trouble I used to get into when I was younger, um, people who know me like, how can you, how can you be so calm? And it's the grace of God. It's, mm. it's, it's a gift of God, and it's because of the prayers of, of the saints, the people praying for myself and my family and the, of my wife and the rest of my family. And uh, I'm, I'm confident God's in control, and as I, I've told people, I said, look, I, I could uh, do stuff, but you know what? Um, this person, if they don't repent, they're going to hell for eternity. Uh, what am I going to do to them? What, I, I'm not going to let them ruin my life Indeed. by the grace of God. And this is, I believe, is the truth of Christianity, is God, in your deepest trials, in your time of greatest heartache and just unimaginable emotional, spiritual pain at the loss of a loved one, especially of a child, but in particular of a child, mm. um, God's grace is there. We still need to have love and compassion for those people and empathy and not just keep quoting Bible verses at them. As much as I believe in the Bible, uh, we need to realize sometimes it's just best to just be there and not have to think you have to say some magical yes. words like it's going to solve it. It's yes. not. Um, but just love people, love on them. But God's grace and His goodness, I can testify to that, and we want to pray that for those uh, who suffered that horrible tragedy at Uvalde, and of course, Buffalo, as you said, and uh, in Southern California, and many, many others as well. Maybe it wasn't multiple people, but even one person. Sure. Even saying like that is something wrong with it. Even just one person, one person that's one life, what's the worth of one life? We can and should pray for them and attempt to minister the love and grace of God, uh, even to those the, the perpetrators. Not that we don't want justice, but we realize they're in danger of eternal separation from God. And most of these people go to prison, they don't last. They're horrible yeah. things happen to them. You know, Greg, even when you were saying that, you said something in regards to God's, God's going to deal with them. But I think that in light, in light of people not... And this is this is where it gets difficult. I know folks may disagree with me uh, wholeheartedly, but 
that you know we can we can disagree and we can disagree agreeably in regards to a person that's unrepentant. I was just having this conversation with a young lady. Oh, I just happened to see at the golf course. Like I tell you, it's ministry out there. Just thousands of people come out there. I see every week. But she was just dealing with the idea. Went to a graduation at the Rose Bowl, um, and she was the only one left out there. And then I just happened to say something about her family. She said, oh, "I said, well, why are you here? Where's the rest of your family?" Uh, I said, "Oh." You 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 at odds with your family, and then she just went on for 15 minutes, just let me know what the situation was, and we got down to the part about whether she did anything wrong, whether her family did anything wrong. You should always be poised and positioned for repentance. But if there is no repentance, and like I said before, God's not going to forgive the unrepentant. I'm not going to forgive you if you're not repentant, because it's kind of silly to me. But like Craig is alluding to, you don't let that unrepentance make you put yourself in a position of God as though you're supposed to be the judge, jury, and executioner. We have laws of the land. We have things that's going to be going to happening to those folks that go through the process. And God's going to deal with us also as a nation when we don't take those things and just try to reimagine what God has already kind of made clear as far as I'm concerned in the Word of God how you deal with people who are, the best I can say it, is unrepentant. And as many people in... Uh, that that are that is in jail that is unrepentant, but yet we have this these long processes, and I'm not trying to say that we should be rushing to justice because we shouldn't, but it's a very difficult situation. But uh, God has put upon the man to deal with that. In the Word of God, He put upon man to deal with those that would kill someone, those that would well, not, let me use a better word, those that would murder someone, yeah. and you're unrepentant. And so, I mean, we can we can get into a long conversation about it. I don't, that's not my, that's why not why I'm saying it, but if you guys have something else you want to say on that, that's fine. No, I appreciate that. No, Daryl, that's, that's very important what you just said, and otherwise that the bitterness eats that person alive, Indeed. and I've, I've known others and seen others who lost a, a child in particular, whether through uh, murdered or, or through cancer, what have you, and I've seen the bitterness of people's lives and their lives, they, this poison that constantly spews out of them. They never move past it. I'm not saying you forget over it, you forget it. Mm-hmm. Uh, time doesn't heal all, but it, it, we could talk about that another time. Right, right. Uh, about that. But, but, but I want to say this, but that bitterness will consume you. I can't handle that. I don't yeah. know anybody can. But I've also seen even believers who, it's like they got frozen in time. Uh, a loved one died, and they never yes. got to go move beyond that. And it's not that you forget them, and not that it doesn't matter. Of course not. That's not what I'm saying. But, but their life was like frozen, and the rest of their life was almost... And I want to be careful, but I want to use the word squandered, because they could not move on. They would not move on uh, from the death of that child or other loved one, family member, friend, spouse, and their their life became frozen in time. Greg, or even animals, or even pets, man. I've seen that with pets as well. Yeah. You know, you you only live once. I want to make them up. My wife and I, I'll just say my last point here Mm -hmm. is, if anything, we want to make our lives count even more Indeed. in honor to our son who was murdered, that his life was taken, but we're here, and we can make the most of it, and we can, and I will use the word exploit. We will exploit what happened yes. to him for the good of others, for the people to hear the gospel, for Christians to be built up in the faith. And so we're determined that this tragedy, this horrific thing that happened and the other two boys that were murdered and the attempted murder of the other three, mm-hmm. is that that this must be redeemed, this must be used for good and the glory of God, uh, because we're going to make it count. And to me, it would be 
dishonoring to my son if I simply sat at home and and sulked or oh, yes. uh, had a, you know, a just. Uh, I mean, I want to be careful to say pity party, but again, I'm speaking as one who's had this happen. I'm not talking about this academically. You know, I'm one to more than it. qualified, but, brother. More than qualified. But, but we want to make our lives. We're dedicated to make our lives count for the glory of God, of course, and to honor our son because his life was taken. And so may we bear much fruit that the Lord might be glorified and that it might abound to the credit of our son and his best friends who were who were murdered. You, you know, I think of how we started the show off. You know, we talk about uh, people who um, have these abilities that God has given them that um, letting people, you know, letting people know that they they're accomplishing these great things, and pride it's because life. because of, yeah the pride of life because because of God. But I I'll, I'll turn around and say that uh, you know Craig and his family, uh, they're not getting through this through their own strength. By all means, it's what we're talking about at the beginning of the show through uh, through the power of, of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, getting him through day to day, year to year, and so, um, good or bad, it's it's the Lord. Harold Ivan Smith is that the name of the author, Craig? That little small book that we talked about so often. Yeah. Harold yeah. Ivan Smith wrote the book called um, "When You Don't Know What to Say." Craig said it in his soliloquy just a while ago in regards to just come around. Don't don't say nothing to me. Don't try to give, come up with a, a glib answer or even a you know a well thought up answer by yourself. If the if the spirit of God, this is where you really know if the spirit of God is talking to you, maybe to say something to a person in that situation, then you know if you know you you gonna find out. You know it, it may be the spirit of God, and the person may have a, a a bad attitude that day about it or whatever the situation is, but just be there. You don't have to say nothing. You don't have to figure anything out. Just be there is a key thing. And always be available and make yourself available in situations like that. Greg, you and I talked about that situation countless times before. And uh, I, I, I'm i just that type of person just straight up with people and saying, listen, I don't know what your relationship was with your parent, your dog, or whatever it is that you may, you've gone through. But why don't you tell me how you want me to be? How can I love you in this situation? And give that person an opportunity to express to you what they want from you as an individual. What Craig wants from Brian, you may not want from me. You guys go to the football games, but I'm going to take Craig wherever he wants to go and there's probably some place to eat, you know, and he's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's what he wants. <laughs> you know? and, and that's where we have to deal with that. So, PCH, I really appreciate you sharing, man. I really appreciate that. Ladies and gentlemen, you can call in. We have about uh, 30 minutes left in the broadcast, uh, a little less than 30 minutes. It's 888-995-5552, 888-995-5552. Steve, I promise you we're going to get to your question about uh, cussing and talking the Lord's name in vain, but I must transition into Christine's question from uh, from Facebook or Messenger. And Christine is asking this question, and I struggle with this, Craig, myself, with my, my obituary crew guys, the older guys I hang around for the last 30 years, 20 years of playing golf with a lot of the guys, and one guy in particular, I've talked about him on the broadcast before without giving his name, whereby he made, he, he said to me that he don't want to talk about Jesus anymore. He is um, he's definitely a, a, an atheist as far as he's concerned. Another guy said he don't even want me to come to the room. Uh, if I'm in the hospital and you find out and you come to the room, I'm going to have a picture of you and then block you from coming in there. And I said, if I can get in there and talk to you about the Lord, I'm going to do it. So, 
Christine asked a question this way, and because you may have somebody like this in your life, folks, and Craig and Brian, I want you to uh, chime in. She's saying, I have um, a so-called, she called her, a so-called Christian friend who says when she gets to a stage at the end, and this is what I dealt with with my, my um uh, atheist friend saying, hey, he don't want to live an unproductive life. And even though he was 90-something years old, the man was golfing age, and he, he was a brilliant man as far as the world goes concerned. But he said something similar to me, and I talked more about him giving giving himself a chance to live, what Christine goes on to say. But this friend says when she gets to that stage at the end, she has a stash of pills to take her life. And Christine wants us to know um, what to say to her. And Will she still go to heaven if she takes her own life? Well, for one, if she takes her own life, you know, you can say that's that's suicide, even though, you know, self murder. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe a, a a person could lose their salvation from suicide um, because it is a work, and uh, I, I think the Lord's going to have something to say to them. Mm-hmm. You know, he. You could say, you know what, I was, you know, two minutes from healing you. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so, uh, so on that, for that situation, I would say that the person, uh, if they took their life, would not lose their salvation if they truly were a Christian. And what was the other part? The part is, what what should she say to her then? Now, this is not a person that has already died, obviously. This is a person that's talking about taking their life. And like I said... To the guy that was talking about that who was not a believer, he don't want to hear that eternity too long to be wrong. We already went through all that stuff. His wife was a believer, a strong believer from my understanding of her, my uh, meeting her for a few times. But he told me straight up, we're not going to talk about this Jesus thing anymore. But I still went around him more and more and more just to get the opportunity if it ever came up again. Well, I'm going to say this. Um, but she's a so-called I, believer. This friend right. is a so-called believer. Well, I, I would I would do what you do, Daryl. I I started playing tennis. Mm-hmm. I hit the ball with a question. Okay, yeah. I was to, you know just simply start asking questions, just like you would talk to someone who's a non-believer or if they believe something else, whatever the case. You know, we talk about it all the time on the show. You know, as Christians, we don't we don't ask questions why someone believes what they believe mm-hmm. or why is somebody saying what they're saying. Yeah. And uh, so on that note, I would tell Christine to ask, you know, uh, ask, ask some pertinent questions to that to that individual and then take it from there. Start playing tennis, serve it mm-hmm. and then see how it's hit back to you. Good. PCH. Well, sure. I was talking to somebody today a little different about a daughter that's breaking her heart who apparently wants nothing to do with God, mm-hmm. and thinks all paths lead to God, and all people are spiritual, and so on and so forth. And I had to remind this person that God loves them more than we do, and that as long as we have breath, as long as they have breath, we pray. And we share as we can, as we're able, but if they won't allow us to, that's not the end of the road for the Christian, because we have something sneaky, and that is we can pray for them, and we can appeal yes. to the God of the universe. Talk behind their back. <laughs> to bring the, yes, absolutely, I hate to say it, being devious, but mm-hmm. uh, that, that God would change their heart, and so it's not over with, as long as I'm alive, as long as they're alive, and now, to the other issue, I would say, I mean, and I'm not saying there's not a place to to, to ask for a non-resuscitation, although I saw an abuse of that recently with a, an individual that was totally misapplied. One needs to be very careful with those forms and how they're applied. But, but 
but you don't have to do heroic efforts, but uh, you have to explain to the person, and that is I tell them as much as they're able, and I pray that God will will convict them. As I would say, starting with myself, my life's not mine. It's not mine to call the day. It's not mine to, to say, well, I'm done, uh, and I'm taking my life, and I'm out of here. That's not my... That, that's not a right. There is no right to do that. In spite of what the world says, the Bible is very clear. There, we don't have that right. And p- people think, well, I'm just going to check out. I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> but we are stewards. We are servants of the Most High God, and we need to be obedient and faithful. And I know people don't like this type of, of talk, but but we're not our own, as the Bible says. We're not our own. We're bought with the price. We belong to God. And I, that, that is a, a quote-unquote right. I'm disputing that it is a right. That is a prerogative that I don't have and I'm not allowed. Indeed. And, uh, and I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. People have to see that. No, people have to see that. that and, but, but again, at the end of the day, I'm going to pray like mad, and I'm going to keep on praying that God convicts him. Yeah. And, and, that, and that, you know what, that last thing you said, man, takes care of Diana's question, because as far as I'm concerned, the ultimate ultimate pride of anybody is that you would take your own life that is that is just astoundingly prideful but we don't look at it like that you don't want to browbeat a person in that kind of situation so you want to be prayerfully careful but at the same time i like i love what brian i love what also what craig said but that get a question in when you can let a person come back to you but prayerfully consider how you should talk to that person there is no cookie-cutter way to deal with each and every person that way. If there was, uh, you know, it's almost like the thing with God. He doesn't He doesn't command divorce because of adultery, but he allows it, you know, that type of thing. So there is no cookie-cutter way. There is no one way, one size fit all. So prayerfully consider each situation because each situation is different. What a precious soul we have. Guys, we got to uh, finish up on these questions. Let's go to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Tamara's question now, and I promise you, Steve, you will be the question that we deal with, saving at least five minutes for Steve's question. So, Tamara, you've been on the phone a bit. Uh, thanks for holding on and calling in. Tamara from Los Angeles. Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, Tamara. Thanks for calling in. You guys, you're such a blessing to everyone. My question is, I have a strong concordance, an old one. Do they update regularly? Should I get a new one? And then how can I really learn how to use it with my studies? See, I had a joke on that, but I'm not going to say it. Go ahead. Um, is it, let me ask you this. Is it just the, um, oh, the strong concordance. Okay, I'm thinking of commentary. The, um, they, they, let me, it's, it's not, it's not a bad uh, concordance at all. Um, Craig would probably know better, uh, you know, about the updating, and I'm sure they do update them. Uh, but basically, you, I'm sure you use it when you're looking for a word. You go through the word and find the passage that you need to find. Um, I was confusing again commentary, but uh, I would say it's it's a good it's a good concordance. Uh, I feel it is, and at the same time. Uh, I do believe, and I'm sure that they do update it from time to time. Craig? And Tamara, I just clicked the button on you. I hung up on you. Call back in. I'll bring you back. I was trying to put you on hold. I was here. Is your name Daryl or Eric? Uh, Eric Jr. I was. I heard some background noise. I was trying to get that off. But call right back in, Tamara, real quick. Go ahead, Craig. Hmm. 
while she's doing that. So, but of course, but then it, it's tied into the KJV, so it's not going to change. But she may be saying, I'm not reading the King James Version anymore. Right. The King James <laughs> Version is really good. But the good news is there's so many tools available today. Uh, that's the beauty of this. And a lot of them are electronic and oh, free. Yeah. And I guess you could, you could add or support some of them. But let me give some. Hopefully, Cameron's still listening. So there's a thing uh, online. A lot of these, uh, I had to tell people I didn't know about it because I didn't really use them. I mean, I learned Greek like the old-fashioned way, for example. I had to learn it. Tamara's back with there's us. There's all these great, pr- what's that? Yeah, Tamara's back with us. I just wanted to say that. Good. This is Brian. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of great tools like the Blue Letter Bible. Yeah, yeah, that's do my it, favorite. I believe in yeah. KJV, uh, EVS, or NIV or otherwise. And then there's there's another one called Bible Hub, and another one's called Bible Study Tools. And these you can punch in the words, and, and it, it's it's and it's an electronic concordance that'll bring them up. Yeah, I use Blue and Letter so, Bible every week. That's my favorite. So those those are yeah. So there's dozens of sites apparently, dozens of sites that do stuff like this. So that and and again, but they're free. You can do it on your cell phone or whatever, let alone your laptop or your if you have a you know larger computer, you can do that. And then, so yeah, the, the, those tools are readily available today. We live in an incredible time. A lot of wickedness, but a lot of <laughs> Bible tools. I mean, think of people in the Middle Ages and that people yeah, before electricity man. using candles. Man. Think of that when there were, wasn't even a Strong's Concordance before that. I mean, how laborious it was and how you'd have to practically memorize the Bible, which some people basically did, um, to know these passages. But now you could just you click into Bible Hub, uh, Blue Letter Bible, Man. Bible Study Tools, and, and again, many, many others, and boom, there it is. And then, go, and, and then if you have a oh, few... If, thank you so much. If you have a few dollars, then you can really go nuts. Uh, they have sites where you'll get like two two thousand books, yes, uh, zillions of contortions and oh boy, uh, study no. tools. Uh, Tell go to use the Blue Letter Bible. But, and you and I the, talk about but it later. The, no, but yeah, the yeah, Logos, Logos Bible software. That's really good. Yeah, yeah, Logos, yeah. that's mm-hmm. what I got, and it's it's phenomenal. But like Craig and Daryl were saying, like the um, Blue Blue Letter Bible or Bible Hub, it's just Bible it's, Gateway. It, and yeah, it's what what was the price on that, Daryl? Free. That's right. But they take donations also, so don't forget that, you know, there's a lot of work in that. So, uh, look, Tamara, uh, do that. Report back to us how you're doing. You might be a Greek scholar. I'm sure you'll graduate before me. God bless you, Tamara. <laughs> uh, thank you, guys, Appreciate very you. much. God bless you and continue to be a blessing. Appreciate okay. you. Thank you, Tamara. Hey, Craig, i got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, any of your resources, do they have uh, Greek Ebonics yet? I can answer that, Craig, because we talked about that. <laughs> But, oh, I'm, but I'm not going to answer it. <laughs> that's easy to answer. Oh, easy. That is not easy at all to answer, Craig. What are you talking about? Triple eight nine nine five. Now I'm not going to give the number because we have a couple of questions. We're going to be uh, out after that. We only have uh, enough time to deal with my man Steve's question that called in. Maybe Reverend Phil, we get to yours also because that's a very important question. But Steve wants to know, he called in earlier from L.A. He wants to know what does the Bible uh, say about people cursing? Just like something almost you guys almost did talking about something easy just a while ago about Ebonics and all this stuff. Uh, almost there are using the Lord's name in vain. What does the Bible talk about that? I, I just, gosh, I can't remember the book it was in, but I just read it where mm-hmm. it talks about, you know, nothing, yeah, uh, unclean words coming out of your mouth. Yeah. 
Um, it was. I think it was in one of the epistles, and I can't remember. Well, which one. Galatians five has a list of the works of the flesh of sins. It's there. It's also in Ephesians chapter four. Let no corrupt communication proceed mm-hmm. from your mouth, but that which is useful to the edifying of the hearer. I mean, it's it's not. And look, this isn't like we're the, the moral police. It's not like all my virgin years. Look, when I was younger, I thought cuss words were conjunction, like and and so forth, and I, I cussed profusely. So it's not like I, I'm speaking as uh, I just have pure eyes in that. But it, it's it, uh, I'll say a couple things. It, it's it's wrong. It is wrong. Number one, it, it is just flat out wrong. Um, and, and it basically shows you, uh, when I hear people uh, like in these TV programs now when they cuss like that, I just think of, I'll be honest, I think it's a, a, a classless person. They're like, it's, it's very base uh, talking like that. It's like what you have no, my dad used to say what, it shows your intelligence or lack thereof to talk like that. Uh, so we shouldn't, but, um, Ephesians 4, yeah, for example, verse 29 and following, and then later on a little bit more in 5, verse 4, Ephesians 5, 4, again, 4, 29, Galatians 5. But but as well, but look, let me just say this, is my little saying tonight, there's another little saying, it's always dangerous to speak ill of God in His presence. The point is, God's omnipresent, you're taking God's name in vain, Mm -hmm. that'd be like going into a health club and there's a guy in there benching 600 pounds and you start choosing them on and saying stupid things to him. You're not going to get your head crushed. I mean, stop and think. You're taking God's name in vain? And I'm always amazed... I mean, I like to watch movies and that, but it just—it's hard because there's so much of it. Just like profanity is just so common, even on TV now. I remember a time when they weren't allowed to drop the F. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Late night, but 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 think of that. You're 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 swearing at the God of the universe. Stop it! And you say, "Well, that's not what I mean to do." That's what you're doing. Stop and think about it. What's wrong with you? And and how many times I hear Jesus' name used as a cuss word? I always find it interesting. Not that I want them to use other names of other alleged deities or religious people, but mm-hmm. I, I'm always fascinated by what people want to take God's name in vain and Jesus' name in vain. My friend. As a believer, that's so displeasing to God. Ask for the power and the ability to knock that stuff off. I know someone used to cuss, like again, like every other word, practically, almost literally. You know my grandpa? I, I know what God can do. But I just got to tell you, as a believer, you got to know God's not amused, not pleased with that. And a non-Christian, you're going to meet him face-to-face someday. It's, try saying that in his presence. Yeah. But more, more than that, you need to repent of your sins, period. That's just, a, that's just one symptom of bad one of your heart condition, which is jacked up, messed up. You need to repent and ask for forgiveness. You're going to meet the guy whose name you keep misusing all the time. You know what, Craig and Brian, I'll, I'll share this to the listening audience. I used to do this to my kids because I was raising them, and that's what they used to get. I used to ask a very simple question, and they always answered wrong. They I used to ask them, who do you respect more, me or God? Now, you know, they got their concept of God as they were maturating and everything like this, and they used to always answer the question wrong and say, God, because they thought they were answering it right. And I said, oh, really? So you respect God more than you respect me? And then one of them said, well, yeah, who you think you are? I said, well, why do you guys say bad words in front of God? Because they never say bad words in front of me. They kind of know better. 
that's the type of thing that, Craig, when you were talking about this, and I mean, I was raised with, a, like I said, a grandfather on one of the sides, and those that know the family know what side I'm talking about, that every, I mean, he used short stories, all cuss words, maybe through a word like the or a in there. And so I know what you're talking about. But the reality of the matter is, uh, I think my brother and I used to talk about this, that the people that would use that type of language, I never heard my father uh, use a bad word. I think I said this before until I was like, until I was 40 years old, and he was just describing what somebody else was uh, talking about. And I looked, I said, because it came out of his mouth, and I was the same way. The men weren't cursors in our family. <laughs> well, the ladies, you know y'all were. Anyway, that's another story. The bottom, the bottom line is, it's an exhausted mind as far as I'm concerned that has to resort to words like that. It's an exhausted mind. But, but what, was, what, was, what was interesting <laughs> is that, is that define curse words because yeah, I, like, it changes. <laughs> like one day I, I came in the house, I was upset, and you I said, oh, well, no, no, spanking. no. I, I said, oh, mom, this guy really pissed me off. Wow! And she goes, don't, she looked at me, don't you dare curse in front of me. And my, I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what did, what did I say wrong? <laughs> and, like, your mom was an English teacher, man. And so I said, Mom, I didn't curse in front of you. She, didn't you just say this guy pissed you off? Yeah. She said, piss me off. That's a bad That's a bad word. And so it was like, if it's a bad word to my mom, then that, And that's bad. not even Greek, is it, Craig? That's not, nothing in Greek about that, is there? <laughs> or the Hebrew. Listen, we have about four minutes left. Uh, you know what? I'm going to bring Gene up real quickly, and then we're going to go from there. Gene, you have 15 seconds to state your question from Yoba Linda. Thanks for calling in, Gene. Yes. I just wanted to know if you were familiar with the ministry Enduring Word by David G-U-C-I-K. I'm not. Uh, what Brian what was the name? Uh, it, 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 the, the, the ministry is called Enduring Word. Enduring Word. The, and the name is David G-U-Z-I-K. Craig, are you? I'm not. I'm not familiar with You're it. You're not familiar with him? No, I'm not either. I'd have to look it up. But, yeah, we'd have to look that um, up. So maybe we could look it up and talk about it next well, week. Was there, what, a, was, there, yeah, was there a question, question pertaining yeah, exactly. to that? Mm -hmm. yeah, no, no, no question. Just, uh, you know, there's just so many ministries out there. It's just nice to have someone uh, uh, have a preview or a recommendation. Now, did you, had, have you attended the church, that fellowship at all? No, it's a online. Online. Oh, uh, okay. Well, you know what? And I said this to Craig before, and I gave it. I think well, I don't know if I mentioned it to Brian, but I knew I mentioned it to Craig. Craig, this is the whole point I'm talking about of having a USDA stamp of approval to be able to go over ministries. And if you know what, if we had enough money, um, um, uh, Gene, to do something like this, we would love to be that USDA stamp of approval. And that way we can have time to look at these various ministries, kind of do some research on them, and then either stamp them, you know, uh, what would I say, Craig? Isogetically correct or exegetically correct? And that's just a slick way of saying one is wrong and one is right. And you should be able to get a statement of faith from Yeah, you that. can. Yeah. Right. You can do actually your good research on that on online, like you said, their online ministry. So check out the read their read their um, statement of faith, like Brian said. And you know you're gonna have to make a determination for yourself as always. But we ask, we thank you for calling in. We just don't know this particular one. Well, all right. Well, I think thank you. Yes. Go ahead, Craig. What do you want to say, Craig? If we get a chance this week, we'll look it up and yeah. try to give her a report next week. Indeed, we will do that. Thanks, Gene. God bless you. Hey guys, you heard that Brian in the ear, but Craig didn't hear it. But we have like. 45 seconds left, so why don't you take 15 of them, Brian? Yeah, I'm going to say what we talked about earlier in the show. Eternity is too long to be wrong, and, and 
do not take those words for granted. Mm -hmm. Those are serious, very true, realistic words. PCH. Live in light of eternity. Non-Christian, you're going to meet God someday, sooner than later. Uh, you need to repent, trust in Christ. Believer, live in light of eternity. You're going to meet God as well, not for your salvation, but we will be judged according to how we live. Might try living in light of eternity. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll just say this in the last 15, 30 seconds that we have. I'm going to ask that you very sincerely and honestly pray for this ministry as a whole and each one of us individuals, uh, you know, by name. When you hear us share our personal things with you guys, that is your opportunity to beseech the Lord on our behalf and just pray for us. Uh, should you not pray for anybody and everybody else you hear about that, that calls in, that is a great opportunity to pray for them. You got the information and be specific. So won't you write down sometime, won't you write down as many times you can, listen to us, the names of people in the situation so that you can pray. So listen. Here's what I'm going to say on behalf of Wilbur. Wilbur, thank you very much, my brother. Good seeing you again. Brian, PCH, pray for Eric. He'll be back next week prayerfully. My name is Daryl E.D. Fulton. I am Mama Grace and Big Daddy's Baby Boy saying, on this Memorial Day, remember the one that died for you for all eternity, and that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the living God. God bless you. With God willing, we'll be back next week more of the Bible Information Brokers. 